this week on the Rose Radio Show. I think with Scorsese, he's like, you know, I really feel sad for like creatives today. Oh, yeah. And he said, and they were like, why? He said, because creatives today are no longer allowed to fail, and mm. failure is a critical part of art. Now, you have to essentially make a Marvel movie to make money. It's totally limiting creativity, mm. and it makes you feel like everything's either a remake yeah. or something that's totally safe. And I think that is is sad because all the different channels we have between Hulu and Netflix and real movies should allow for more creativity than ever. Right. But it just seems like the stakes are so high that it's hard to make anything now. My next guest is my favorite person in the entire world. She needs no introduction. She brightens up my every day. She brings joy to my life and she excites me to go harder every single day. I'm so excited for you to get to see her back by popular demand, Erin Washington, everybody. Wow, your intros just keep getting better. I'm working on it. I'm working on them, baby. What's going <laughs> on? I'm so happy to have you back. I know. I'm happy to be like the first like return guest on first your show. First real guest for return guest. Yeah. You know, um, you know, quick thing for the viewers, just so everybody knows. Um, I'm going to be slowly creating a rotating cast. Obviously, Aaron's going to be one of the multiple, but been so excited. We're going to keep having new guests as well as having a rotating host. We can really develop and kind of learn people's perspective in more detail. So super excited. Also, please like the video and please subscribe. Most of the people who watch aren't actually subscribed. It would really help us out. Let's get back into this. What's up, babe? Woo. Um, I don't know. Not much. Mm. Your voice. I feel like you've had a talking day, haven't you? I've been talking all day. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to make it through <laughs> one more hour of, of giving it my all. This is like my Jordan flu game, you know. So. Okay. You're really pushing through. I see. Yeah. I'm going to make it work. Don't worry about it. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, just I've been chilling, you know, been watching all your episodes. Oh, thank They've you. They've been getting thank better you. and better. So I'm glad I can slide in here right now. <laughs> right. So what's the first thing you want to make sure we discuss? Oh, so I guess the first thing that was on my mind was the title was Life as a Cusp. Ooh, like a like a millennial Gen Z cusp. Yes, like a millennial Ooh. Gen Z cusp. That okay. was the first when you told me to think of topics, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I got something for you and I'll let you you chime in after. Okay. So interesting. So uh, right before this I was watching the NBA finals with my friend. Mm-hmm. I was out at the bar right before I got back here. It's kind of why my voice is gone, because we were talking a lot, you know, yelling the whole thing. It was a good game. Warriors won. But the interesting part is the bar is playing the game on three main screens. Mm -hmm. But right above it, there was like a a golf tournament or something, and it ended. Mm -hmm. But what came on after was MTV. Oh, okay. And it was the MTV, not the VMAs. The movie awards. The movie awards, right. Yeah. The the TV and movie awards. And it was so fascinating, because I haven't watched MTV yet years probably like six seven years since mm-hmm. i've like actually sat down and really watched something especially other than the M- uh, vmas and it was fascinating and it made me feel great because i knew damn near every single person who presented or won and i'm like i'm not old <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i still relate to the youths <laughs> so yeah no, it was seriously. it was funny because some days i feel old and some days i feel like 
no one my age relates to me because I spend all day online looking at like mm-hmm. the same, you know, stuff a lot of like 14 year olds are watching. Yeah. And it made me feel very validated. And so um, that's so interesting. What are what is your experience as a cusp? Well, I think it's fascinating because I feel like we're constantly trying to like prove why we fit or don't fit in either like generation. Right. So like with millennials, we're like always trying to prove like we're millennials. We we actually remember this stuff. <laughs> like we're not Gen Z. And then like from Gen Z, we're like, we're not Gen Z. Like we, you know, we're adults or whatever. So I feel like it's just an interesting like area of like generation to yeah. be in. It's still funny. So for context, uh, we're both 27 and we were born a week apart, ironically. Right. So yeah. we're, we're about as close in age as you can realistically get without being related. And I do totally understand that. I think it's a couple of factors. One, where we live. Two, like the media we consume. And then three, like my job. Mm-hmm. I feel like it creates this weird like triangle that, keeps us at a weird age because I mean, sometimes I'll sit and watch YouTube videos all about like how much people love the dumbest recycled memes. Right. And I feel like you people are so young (laughs) because like we were just talking the other day about how many like memes and jokes are really just rehashes of stuff that we already lived through. Right. And that makes you feel very old, right? Like Mm -hmm. when jeans from the two thousands are back in, and like 14 year olds are wearing them you're like guys like this right. is, this has happened a long time ago move on think of something new mm-hmm. but then also when the biggest star by far at the MTV awards was uh Cindy Sweeney oh and huge fan i'm like oh she's great oh concerning trend oh what i sorry i have to make sure i bring this up cuz okay. it was going to bother me if i didn't she was wearing a very low rise skirt Oh, low rise. Uh, it was bad. It was like, yeah. you know, like where the hip bones start. She's like, you know, really skinny girls. You can like really see their hips. It was like below the start of the hip bone. Mm. It was bad. I'm concerned. We can't go back there. I think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't like, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen because I feel like every time I see people talking about low rise jeans or <sighs> low rise anything, like the consensus in the comments of whatever I'm watching is always, we're not bringing this back. No one wants this. Mm, like, I think it's going to happen. The two episodes of Entourage with it were disgusting, but <laughs> I truly think she's so influential that if she's doing it, it's only the beginning. I really hope not because one, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's objectively not as good looking as so a high rise or even just like, um, you know, regular rise pant. <laughs> Uh, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a fun cusp thing. I, I saw some meme the other day mm-hmm. where it was like this girl on TikTok, who's probably like 15, 16, yeah. making fun of millennial girls. And it was like, she was like, they wear their jeans like this. And she was like, had her jeans like, like all the way up. <laughs> because we went through the low rise moment. That's why. And we're tired of it. We didn't like it, okay? <laughs> and honestly, like, it took me a while to, because it took me a while to actually wear, like, high-rise pants. Really? Were you, yeah. like, stuck, like, right in the, the mid-waist, or were you still going low? I was stuck just mid-waist, right. you know, because I was concerned with high-rise, because I didn't know how it would fit me. Like, it was really just a matter of, like, I hadn't tried on any high-rise, and I feel like... 
you know, after they like were like everyone was wearing high rise. It was like after that is when I was like, oh, maybe high rise will look good on me. So I like tried it and I was like, you know, why haven't I worn this sooner? Like this is everything. And so then when I think going back to low rise, I'm like, no, we can't. Like we fought so hard to get past that. <laughs> well, it's just funny. I, I guess one this is the first time in my life in the last like year or so that I've really started to feel like things are coming back. And at first I thought, you know, that the idea of things coming back would be cool, but I actually don't like it because it kind of makes me feel like, why aren't we just thinking of new stuff? New stuff, yeah. It's like when I imagined how a 17-year-old would dress in mm -hmm. the year 2022 when it was the year, I don't know, 2010, I never for a second thought they would dress like it's 1994. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. This wasn't what I, like, I was like, are they going to come out with something like crazy, like a, like a half high, half low kind of thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Any, anything new, like, let's get creative here. It, it really, it, it kind of bothers me on a fundamental level because I'm like, no, I don't like the idea of going backwards. Right. Yeah. I'm very much not a conservative person. I don't ever really look to the past for answers. Mm -hmm. I like to think of new stuff. I would much rather, you know, teenagers only wear overalls or right. like <laughs> even jorts or something like that I think is objectively ugly mm -hmm. than something that's already been worn, you know, for 10 years. I just think it's like, it's just weird. It seems like anti-progressive to me. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes into the whole like, everything's being remade like as far as like shows and movies it just seems like I don't know if it's the internet or what it is but it just seems like we hit some point where like we ran out of all the good ideas or at least people stopped wanting to take a risk on the good ideas and so they're like well let's just revert back and like I guess like life as a cusp it's in a way it's kind of cool sometimes because you get to kind of relive your you know childhood like you know they've rebooted the proud family they rebooted like every show that we used to watch literally so all of them it's cool in that way but also it's like yeah like kind of how you were saying like i thought we would be getting somewhere new like what is the next phase of things and it's like hard for me to even imagine because no one like no one's taking the risk to really bring the new like you know stuff well, just I think, remaking i think you actually touched on the the correct point which is it's not like we ran out of fun new ideas we stopped taking chances on them yeah you know for example we just saw everything everywhere all at once new totally original script and screenplay great movie Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we're just talking about Sydney Sweetie, Euphoria, great show, great trial, yeah. amazing original screenplay. Like, the problem is, it's such a guaranteed cash grab to remake something. Yeah. It's just very tough for studios or businesses to make new things and be willing to take the chance of losing out because the media and the landscape is so unforgiving. Right. Now, why? Who knows? That could be an internet thing. It probably is. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, I was watching a video the other day on YouTube and it was a really interesting uh, concept. It was about how when Doctor Strange 2 came out, mm -hmm. it was in like, there was some random movie theater in like Wyoming or something. Mm -hmm. And it was just their box office and it was like a printout. And nine of the 10 theaters were showing it and they were showing it four times a day in nine different theaters mm -hmm. wait it, what is this again the doctor strange oh doctor strange okay and what it was basically showing is how these marvel movies mm -hmm. are essentially 
saving movie theaters single-handedly, mm-hmm. but also it's not even worth playing a non-Marvel movie. Pretty much, Because yeah. it's the only thing that's making money. And yeah. it's a really frustrating dichotomy because it's showing you that people just aren't really interested in watching other things the same way. When yeah. it costs that much, you just can't afford to miss. And right. the whole point of the video, which I think is really interesting, is at the end, they uh, it was a quote from some famous director, um, I think it was Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, it was like he was all old. But mm-hmm. He was talking about, he's like, you know, I really feel sad for like creatives today. Oh, yeah. And he said, and they were like, why? He said, because creatives today are no longer allowed to fail. And mm-hmm. failure is a critical part of art. Mm-hmm. You know, every big director of my time had four movies, you know, that were small art house stuff or like their real first shot. And it didn't go great. Yeah. Because the expectations weren't so astronomically high. Mm-hmm. But now you have to essentially make a Marvel movie to make money. Right. And it's totally limiting creativity. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel like everything's either a remake yeah. or something that's totally safe. And I think that is is sad because all the different channels we have between Hulu and Netflix... And real movies should allow for more creativity than ever. Right. But it just seems like the stakes are so high that it's hard to make anything new. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I have heard, I did hear that quote from him or whoever it was. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess it just makes me think like, I mean, with the movies, it's almost like I feel like we have to redefine how we like go to the movies almost. Like... Oh. People are only going to the movies to see Marvel movies. And do you think that's a good or bad thing? I think it could be both, depending on how you look at it. Like, it's probably a bad thing if you're someone who, like, doesn't want to see Marvel movies, but you want to go to the movies or whatever. And it's probably a good thing, you know, for Marvel. Like, Marvel loves that. But, like... I don't know. I think we're getting to a point where we have to, like, redefine how we're consuming like entertainment and like media like in general in general because like people really aren't going to the movies unless it's to see marvel mm-hmm. i mean i still genuinely like the movies you know which is why we have like amc but it's like for these companies like their whole fear is you know we can't take risk on this idea because we're going to lose money in the movies mm-hmm. right what if it's not like necessarily in the movies? Like, where can you make more money to justify taking risk on this movie where it's gonna like, I guess, right. have the same impact? Well, uh, I, I think there's there's a couple of elements to that. Mm-hmm. I think when we used to make a lot of different movies, one, it didn't cost so much. Yeah, it cost a lot of money to make a movie now, mm-hmm. even like not a very good one. For most of the time. I mean, just if you want any decent named actor, it's going to cost a ton of money. Yeah. Not to mention, almost every movie has special effects. And like those VFX teams are incredibly expensive. And they do an amazing job. They work really hard, but the standard's so high. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the other day we went to the Secret Movie Club and watched um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. You can't make a movie like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Well, you can for Netflix. Or like Hulu. Right. But that's it. Yeah. And and I think that's where those movies get an opportunity. But that movie can't be in theaters anymore. 
Yeah. It simply will not make anywhere near the money back. And it used to be that if a movie didn't make enough money originally, it had the auxiliary markets. So it would go to TV and it would go to DVD. Right. But there's not really much resale value for movies anymore. Sure, you can rent them for three bucks on YouTube or something, but not a lot of people really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's hard to make your money back if you can't make it in the theater. Right. The beauty of a Netflix movie is you can essentially make your money back immediately. Mm-hmm. You can spend $20 million to make a movie and sell it for 30 yeah. And then Netflix will say they'll make 40 in the long run because they can just keep it on there forever. Yeah. I think you'll see more of that. But the problem is even that's kind of scaled back because a lot of these movies don't make the 40. Right. And they're not going to be projected to. Yeah. So it, it's just really hard. And I think it limits media overall. I, I think what's even worse is music. Mm. I think, I was just saying, I think it's been a good music year for music but only because the big name artists who are already popular have dropped good stuff harry styles album weekend album mm-hmm. wasn't there one other good album i really like this year kendrick maybe oh and kendrick yeah, kendrick, yeah. and kendrick's <laughs> album was great like mm-hmm. that's a blessing but yeah. they're all big artists i mean i think the most up-and-coming artists i've even seen this year is like eat yeah and i know we can't name a eat song yeah. like it's just it feels like it's harder than ever to to really make original stuff. And even all you need to know about Yeet is Yeet sounds like the seventh rapper who gave you his mixtape in Lennox Mall in 2014. Wait, is that who Richard was listening to when we were yes. in Vegas? <laughs> Except he just became incredibly successful. <laughs> like, yeah. His music's good, but nothing about it's original or new. Right. Well, it's almost like... I don't know if this makes sense, but it's like we almost need to create like a new demand. Like there needs to be something because our whole like we're we're basing it off of people wanting to go to the movies and people wanting to watch Netflix. Okay. But it's like we need to create something that people want to do that will kind of close the gap in between those things. So that makes sense. Like Interesting. Like, there needs to be some something that people are willing to spend money on to the same degree as, like, going to the movies on, like, entertainment. And I don't know if it's necessarily, like, creating movies and distributing them in the same way that we have or, like, creating movies and distributing them in a different way that meets a new demand that people are willing to spend money on. Okay, well, let's, let's test the theory a little bit, right? Okay. So... Let's not try to reverse engineer it instead of going from make the movies for the demand. Let's just talk about what the demand could theoretically be, right? Okay. So if we can get movies on the big screen. I think there's an intrinsic value to watching a movie on a big screen, mm-hmm. and it feels more like an event. I think that's why Marvel movies do so well. Right. But there's also a really cool value to like us, you know, snuggle up on the couch and watch a rom-com. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a demand there in that way. Maybe the demand is is more social. Yeah, like some sort of social element or it's almost like it makes me think of like Quibi, but not Quibi. Like the idea of Quibi was like kind of cool, but it like failed, obviously. Right. But the idea something... there was there was they were on to something with the idea of making fully syndicated programming in short form that's 
not really meant to be consumed sitting down in front of the screen 100% focus. Right. It's like the idea was basically better YouTube, right? Yeah. It's like more highly produced YouTube. I think they were onto something conceptually, certainly. Yeah. So I'm saying like in that direction is what I'm thinking. Like we need something that, but it's like, but something that people actually want to consume. Like okay. people well, didn't want to consume Quibi. Think about this, right? So if us, you know, watching, uh, you know, a rom-com is too like intimate and niche mm -hmm. and going out of your way to watch a huge budget, you know, blockbuster is like a whole Saturday night event. Mm -hmm. What's a movie you would want to watch with six of your friends at like a pregame? Oh, I like a pregame. Or just the idea. Or just well, like I guess instead of a pregame, right? It's like what's the type of movie you would want to see with just a couple of of the friends and it doesn't have to be this big thing where you've seen the other 18 Marvel movies so therefore you can watch this one and enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it would need to be something tied to something we already all had in common or knew about. It kind of makes me think about like the Twilight movies. Okay. Like those were really popular and, and or even Harry Potter. Like people like already really liked the books. And so when the movies came out, it became like, you know, a big thing because people wanted to see it adapted into... Because it tapped into a collective experience yeah. that people already knew. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it would need to do that. Like, maybe it's like, take something from TikTok that's like really funny and cool or whatever, and then like somehow create like... Adopt it to long form? Yeah, to where there's like... Because that's... Like, if I was to go to the movies with my friends or see something with my friends, it would be something we all wanted to see together. Yeah. And we're like, ooh, let's go see, you know, I don't know, whatever. Like, let's go see the new Twilight movie because we all read the books or whatever. That's so interesting. Okay. So yeah. basically take something popular, mm -hmm. but that's currently short form and give it like a long form equivalent. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, yeah, potentially, yes. But just the idea of, like, we have to create some new demand. That's really my main, like, point is just, like, like we can't keep, like, beating the horse of let's try to get people to go to the movies because they're just not. Like, <laughs> what else can we get people to do? Yeah. And even, like, Netflix. Like, people are going to watch Netflix, sure, but even Netflix, like, they're losing subscribers and, like, people aren't, you know, messing with them anymore because they're changing, they're increasing their prices, blah, 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 blah. Like, there has to be something new. Right. And it's like, we have TikTok, but people can do that in their spare time. But it's like, how can you combine... Basically, how can you combine TikTok and going to the movies? Right. Yeah. I mean, and make people want to do it. Sounds very Quibi esque, but in like, yeah, but uh, <laughs> improve the concept, right? Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Netflix and higher prices, serious question off the top of your head. Okay. How much would you pay a month mm -hmm. if you could get all of the streaming services? Um. Hmm. Uh, I would pay. Maybe like 40 bucks. 40 bucks? 50 bucks? Well, don't we already pay more than 40 bucks? No, I don't think so. Let's um, think about streaming? It. Let's think about it. Netflix, how much do we pay? I think it's like $15. Hulu? Hulu, $10. Okay, they're what, 25 now? I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, we used to have. Uh, wait, we have HBO Max. How much is that? I guess that's $10, too. That's what, $35? Mm hmm We used to have Paramount, right? Yeah. How much is that? 
$5. That's 40 mm-hmm. And then didn't we have one more? We had Apple TV. We had Apple How much TV. That? That's 5 and I thought we were already paying 45 Okay. So yeah, I'd say like 50 six. I mean, well, if we, I mean, we're, we split it. So $60. Right, I, <laughs> conceptually, right? Yeah, conceptually. I mean, I would think $60 for all of them. If you got all of them? Yeah. I think what bothers me is the idea of like, I haven't seen Bel Air yet. Mm-hmm. What's Bel Air on? I think it's on Peacock. It's on Peacock. Exactly. Do we pay for Peacock? No, we don't. Have Peacock. How much is Peacock? Let's say it's. I think that's also four ninety nine. It's like five. Right, it's another yeah. five. That's fifty dollars worth of streaming services, and I just don't understand. Oh, and there's also Disney Plus. We forgot about how that. how much we pay for that. Seven, eight. I think we pay six ninety nine. So seven, basically. Yeah, like we were already over fifty bucks, and I think this is a very common thing, and that's yeah. kind of my whole point. Basically, cable. Right. Like, I would pay. 60 a month if I got all All of the streaming services. But it just annoys me that they're so proliferated. And it's like, what what is the point? I don't see the benefit. It annoys me that all these companies have to have these cash grab streaming services when most of them stink. Yeah. Like, it annoys me to no end how bad Hulu's UI is to this day, despite them being the second biggest one. Can we please move all that crap to Netflix? Like... (laughs) And the fact that we're paying for Hulu and still have ads, oh my God. Like, yeah, that is annoying. Yeah. No. Give me 70s the max. Give me everything, no ads. Yeah. No, I would totally do that. And it's annoying to me because I feel like a lot of the streaming services are basically doing like Uber and like Airbnb. Where, you know, it starts off at four ninety nine, but, you know, at some point they're going to need to make a profit. So then they're going to increase it to like $12 or something. Like, Which is ridiculous because even on those low prices, we were already at 50 a month. Right. So if they were making, let's say they just go from 5 to 10, mm-hmm. we're talking like 80 bucks probably. Yeah. And 80, that's why I don't, worth it. I don't blame people for leaving Netflix either because it's like fifteen forty nine now. And that's like for the most basic one, like right. where you have like one screen or whatever. See, like and that's, it's, you're right. And they trap me. I can't, we can't get rid of Netflix. Right. That's like the only well, that's like one the we main watch one consistently. We use. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's like, uh, you know, like I can get rid of Apple. I can get rid of Paramount Plus because like well, I don't use those. Right. I can get rid of, you know, even like Amazon or like, I can probably even get rid of Hulu, honestly. <laughs> but that's the thing. You can get rid of Apple until Ted Lasso season three comes out. Then well, and then I'll buy it, it for a month and then I'll cancel it. But it's just so stupid. Like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just have the content because I'm sure there are other shows on there that are good and probably worth watching. Well, yeah, watching. you watched that startup uh, show. The... Right. That show was excellent. Uh, what is it called? Startup? We Crashed. Oh, yeah. We Crashed. We Crashed. We crashed yeah. yeah. It was so and i would have never even considered watching that if we didn't already have apple tv i didn't know enough about it to say hey i'm willing to buy the service to get this and then it goes back to what you're saying that's why everything's got to be a remake because that's the only reason you can be convinced to go pay the 6.99 to get this niche streaming service like peacock so you can watch the one show you know you're gonna like and that's why like disney plus that's how they're tapping into like the cusps Mm. is they're like oh look we have this proud family reboot like we have this show we have all your old disney show like subscribe to us you know that's how they get us yeah it's like yeah you say you're not gonna watch the proud family reboot but you'll give it a try i mean hey (laughs) i gave it a try i watched the first episode was it good um it was okay i just 
it was okay. It was a little too, I don't know, modern, I guess. Like, I liked it for what it was, I think. Right. Like, did, I liked were it. The, was it. Were the, people, the dark skinned people still purple, or did they get rid of that? No, they were still, like, they were still blue. Yeah. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. I That show just, it was good for its time. It was good for, like, the age when I watched it. Right. And, like, sure, looking back in hindsight, there were a lot of things that are problematic about it. But, like, I almost, like, am okay with that for what it was. But, like, remaking it, like, it's okay. But, like, they don't even have Sticky in it because, like, Orlando Brown is, like, insane Insane. now. (laughs) He can't actually, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't watch the whole series. I don't know if it, like, what it got into. But I just, I watched the first one. It was okay. Right. I think The Proud Family is a show that was perfect for its time mm-hmm. but kind of represents a lost era yeah like i think yeah that's what makes me feel a little like gen z cuspy because i look back and i'm like that show's kind of problematic right <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm, they did a lot of like stereotyping in that but at show. the time when i watched it when i was young i was like oh, no one cares amazing. well because in that time in america like no one was really i mean we didn't really have twitter like that like no one was talking about that kind of stuff and right. as kids like we weren't thinking about that we were just like oh Oh, this is funny. It's on Disney Channel. Love it. Right. I, I what do you think of the idea of holding all these old shows to like modern standards? I mean, I don't agree with it just because like how can we? Like it's almost like when you get with like you get in a new relationship and you're like mad at your person for like having been with other people in previous relationships. Like it's the same kind of thing to me. It's like sure, like we can call out that stuff now and be like that was messed up. We shouldn't have done X Y and Z. But like we consumed it at the time and people enjoyed it at the time and I think it was fine for that time. And sure, we can move forward, and the stuff we make moving forward like isn't going to have whatever problematic stuff in it. But it's like, you know, what do you want people to do? I think it's tough. I think it should be held to the standard of if people had a problem with it at the time and it was ignored, now we should probably not go back to it. Because that means it wasn't really okay back then. Yeah. People, just capitalism, corporate greed, people ignored it. Yeah. But... There are things like the Proud Family. I don't ever remember someone having an issue with the Proud Family at the time. In fact, the Proud Family was celebrated, and rightfully, as it should have been for the time, for being about, you know, a semi-authentic, you know, black experience of, of that age. Yeah. But now, one, the average black experience has changed so much that it would almost feel like typecasting. But... Two, there are just things like colorism, for example, that were just not really like mainstream issues at the time that now seem very tone deaf in hindsight. And I think if you're going to remake it, probably cut that. You might want to modernize it a little bit. But also I think it's, it's okay to appreciate something that may be problematic by today's standard if you can see why people enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, and I guess for me, it's like, we were kids when we watched that show, so we likely don't even, like, I don't know how my parents felt about it. I don't know how other parents felt about it or, like, people who were, like, our age when that show was airing. Like, maybe it was an issue to them, but, like, there was no avenue for them to, like, say it was a problem. Like, there wasn't Twitter. People weren't 
you know, calling out like, oh, this is racist or this is whatever. Like, so it could have been problematic to people back then, but the only way you would know that is like if you got in a magazine or something or if you, Mm. you know, so I think that's the hard part about looking back at old shows is we didn't have Twitter. So it wasn't easy to just like, look, what was the public opinion back then? You know, do you think problematic art should still like has a place in today? Like, for example, we were watching uh, Entourage the other day and they made a gay joke, which is like insane to think about how common that was not too long ago and how, as it should be, totally unacceptable that is today. Mm-hmm. Is it, is there ever a situation where a new show makes a gay joke and under the guise of, you know, where we're taking it back to that time? Mm. Or is it like you have to go with the sensibilities of the era that you're in? Well, I think it's only okay if you're making the joke to call out that it's problematic. Like, no, to prove like, a point. No, you say it like in just like, oh, like, you're just saying like, no, we're just an edgy show. Like, no, I mean, I think at that point, you just got to read the room. Like, <laughs> people aren't making those jokes anymore. I mean, and it's hard to even like when we were rewatching like Entourage. Like, it's hard to rewatch some of these old shows, yeah. especially the adult shows. That's what it is. Like, rewatching the kid shows is one thing. It's like, okay, here and there, it's like, okay, maybe that wasn't okay for kids, or, you know, we're past that. But rewatching old adult shows is hard mm. because you can just see so much racism, so much sexism. Like, even watching Entourage, like, it's like a cool show and all, but I, it was kind of tough for me a little bit because. I mean, yeah, every character that is important is white. Yeah. Every female character is blonde. And objectified. And blatantly objectified. Every lawn worker is Hispanic. And the only black person who's been in the show yet was one security guard. Like, it's It's really, really bad. bad. (laughs) And like, you know, and I know people, it's still on HBO Max. Like, I know a lot of people rewatch it to this day. And it's still kind of like, I don't know if it's considered an iconic show, but it's like, a show yeah. that people, you know, reference a lot, which is like cool. But like I said, it is kind of hard to rewatch with the lens of like, how was this okay? Okay, but then I'll I'll take it a step further, right? What about Gossip Girl? Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. they literally yeah. rape an underage girl on like in episode the first two. Episode. It's no, the first in, in the episode. pilot, yeah, they the pilot. they filmed that where the climax of the episode is an underage girl gets raped and. They take this. Well, she doesn't get raped. She gets it's well, like, she but gets yeah, sexually, yeah, sexually assaulted. assaulted. Yeah, an underage girl gets sexually assaulted. Yeah, and they use this pilot to sell the rest of the show. Not only did they buy the season, it was a hit. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? No today? one even gets raped in Euphoria. Yeah, like it's too far. These are not things to joke about. Well, yeah. Well, and then the, <laughs> like, the worst part was that Chuck, the one who, and Chuck and Jenny, yeah. both were like prominent characters. And they wrote Chuck to make him like almost lovable by the end. Or not lovable, but just like. No, he's one of the most beloved characters yeah, in the like, series. Mm-hmm. Like girls loved him. Yeah. Like while it was airing. And it's like, did we forget about episode one? <laughs> no, it was just boys will be boys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean,. It's tough. I will say that. Like, looking back on a lot of these things is tough. Um, and I think, 
you know, because I mean, I like Gossip Girl. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I love that show. It's a good show. Like, do I agree with the pilot? No. Mm. You know, do I agree that that was okay to put in there and then also have him turn into this like? And then he also like tries to like sexually assault Lily. I was gonna say to clarify, this is this is not the only sexual assault by Chuck Bass in the show, right? So it's like. I don't know. It's just one of those like really hard things. Um, and, you know, for some people, they're able to be like, you know, I'm just not messing with that at all. Like, it's trash. Get it out of here. Right. I think a lot of people, like one, when they watched it to begin with, you know, maybe they were younger because that came out in like 2007. We were like seventh grade. Yeah. So maybe as kids, we didn't really even think about it that way. And so you kind of grow an attachment to it. And so it's kind of hard to just be like, you know. I'm not, you know, I don't support that anymore. Even if you still didn't, did genuinely enjoy the show, right? But so. but that's but I guess what I was really saying is that's the difference between people who watch Entourage when it came and they watch the whole thing and they love it. It's not hard to go back and watch it to them because they have that emotional attachment because all these things were not things that were questioned when it first came out. Yeah, but then, or at it, least that we know of. Well, right, yeah. or at least not on a big mainstream popular version, right? Yeah, and. But yeah, but I'm sure if there are people who are your age and they tried to watch Gossip Girl for the first time, they'd be like, be like what? what? Show? <laughs> Why are they doing this? <laughs> this is a kid's show? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I don't it, it's know. just funny how time changes. And it's, it's fascinating because people are so quick to call out the world for being like too woke and like you're trying to change everything. You can't joke about anything anymore. Things are going too fast. But then you go back just to 2007. And you see, like, yeah, a lot of this stuff really wasn't very acceptable. Yeah. And obviously, I think there are an extent where things get too far, right? But but I do think overall, like, most progress is probably pretty good. Yeah, I think people try to, like, cherry pick the situations where people are, like, going overboard with the quote-unquote wokeness or whatever, but I think in general, I think it's good to have these critiques. Like, I think it's good to be like, hey, that wasn't cool. Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. And I don't think that has to mean, like, you're being too well, you're trying to change everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, we need to evolve. We don't need to stay the same. Like, some jokes aren't okay. Right. Like, we, that's okay. Like, we learn from our mistakes. We learn that, like, yeah, like, some things are offensive to people, and those offenses you know, can lead to, you know, people making those offenses, doing like violent acts or something like right. we need to address those things. And that's OK. And I think if you're an honest person, like, why would you see that as like a bad thing? You know, just because you don't get to make some raunchy joke that you want to make. Right. And if you're truly funny, like you'll find other ways to be funny. Exactly. You'll find other ways to be funny. You'll find something else to poke fun at. And then in 20 years, we can, you know, assess whether that was okay. Like, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, it's like, I mean, at this point, it's like, get over it. Like, I just am so tired of hearing people be like, things are too well or what? Like, just like, we're moving on. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I got to make sure we discuss this one, you know, because Ooh, okay. I love your opinion. So, you know, theoretically, Roe v. Wade may be overturned theoretically. They said it was going to happen weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It has not happened yet. Right. But for the purposes of the next 10 or 15, let's assume it does get overturned. Give me some of your thoughts, especially as a woman, on on how, you know, the current, you know, abortion conversation is making you feel. Mm. Are they taking your rights? Are they taking my rights? 
Well, yes, if they were to overturn it, I feel like they would be um, to start. Um, I mean, yeah, I I think it kind of, I always think about what you said recently about how nothing really happens until it happens. So it hasn't happened yet, so I'm not at the point of like wanting to fly to D.C. and like revolt. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, it does make me nervous that that is something that's on the table. And people have talked about this for a long time, especially with all the like Supreme Court stuff like in the past, you know, especially under... Trump and him being able to nominate more judges, people always talked about, oh, well, it's going to make them easier, you know, it's going to make it easier for them to overturn Roe v. Wade, blah, blah, blah. So it does some, that is something that makes me nervous because I do think that, like, women do have the right to make that decision if they want to. Um, (laughs) Yeah, keep going. Okay. Um, Yeah, people have, or what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Women have the decision... The right. (laughs) Okay. People have the right to, or women have the right to make that choice if they want to. Um, And it shouldn't be taken away. And it does make me nervous that they're talking about it. Um, And I guess with the whole abortion thing, like, like there, there are the two main talking points of like, you know, you're taking away women's rights and then the um just like i guess the whole pro-life side of it pretty much um and i think we all know those sides very well but i do think the productive conversation is to talk about the logistics of it all like what is the policy because like i feel like people on the right are very good at kind of talking about oh well at six weeks you can't have an abortion You know, and I don't agree with that. But, like, from the left, I do think we need to come more with, okay, well, at this point, what are going to be the rules at this point? What is going to be the condition at certain points to, like, decide whether or not an abortion is ethical or not? All right, we'll get into the policy of it, but you touched on an important thing that I really want to focus on, which is the woman's right to choose. What, if any, role do you think the man should have in the decision? Um, I mean, I think... I mean, I think the man's opinion um, definitely holds weight. And I would hope that any woman seeking to get, like, an abortion, if they know, like, the father or whoever it is... Right. Um... They, I would hope that they take their opinion and their feelings into consideration for sure, because it is a big choice. Like, and it's not, you know, because, you know, guys get attached as well. Guys want to have kids as well. So I think. Do you think a man suggesting a woman get an abortion is wrong if she has not brought it up? I don't think suggesting it is wrong, but I think trying to force or yeah. trying to coerce well or... i say suggest because any sort of pressuring is obviously wrong yeah so i guess what more saying is is the suggestion at all wrong no i don't think so i mean i think if you're both i mean it depends on the situation like i mean i think if you're if you're young you get pregnant and you don't want it and 
like I think that's well, that's one of the three options, right? So I don't think it's bad if the guy is like, oh, but I think like if it's like, oh, get an abortion, like you need to get an abortion, that probably isn't the best route to take. Right. But. I think yeah, I think we can agree that any sort of like you know coercive or like pressuring is definitely bad. Mm-hmm. Opposite. Do you think it's wrong for a guy to suggest a woman keep it if she comes and says she wants an abortion? I don't think it's wrong. No. Hmm. Even though she's the one who has to carry it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's wrong for you to suggest that. (laughs) I don't think it's wrong to have the conversation. I don't think it's wrong to, you know, tell the woman how you feel about it and say, hey, like, I really want to be a dad. I really want to keep this like whatever. Like, that's fine. Um, But I do think ultimately the woman is going to decide what she wants to do. And that should be her decision. But I don't think it's wrong for a guy to express his feelings. All right. Last one on the hypotheticals. If a woman hooks up with a guy, gets pregnant, knows it's him, but they're not dating or anything, wants an abortion, should she say something to him first? I mean... I personally would, but like I don't, I don't know if I can make a call of like what should happen. No, I'm asking your personal opinion. Yeah, I mean personally, if I were to get pregnant and I knew like who it was, and I could easily be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell him, I'm just going to get the abortion. I feel like I, I would still probably tell him just because I don't think like I would feel bad, right. you know. I and so I would want to at least be like, hey, like just so you know. Um, but I would also put my foot down and say, this is my decision. Right. Cause then you're risking him saying, Oh no, I'll step up to the plate. Like we can make this work. I want. Yeah. And then it's like, and you can have that conversation and like, tell me how you feel. Great. But also ultimately this is my decision. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk a little policy then. So do you believe, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start from the most basic and we'll get to the most extreme. Okay. Do you think abortion should be legal at conception? Yeah. Okay. So basically, <laughs> one day after you get pregnant, yeah, you should you be able to abortion, get an abortion. Yeah. Sure. Do you think abortion should be legal at month eight? At month eight. Oh, okay. So there's nine months, right? Okay. Yeah, eight months pregnant. Um. With no complications. I. I mean, okay. So that is like obviously the point where it gets very like ethical, very like. You know, people have their own opinions. I mean, I personally think no, but I also, but also with the asterisk mark of if a person wants to make that choice at that stage, I think there needs to be some clearances they have to get through before they're actually allowed to, if that makes sense. Like, Give me an example of a clearance. I guess like, I talk to your physician, talk to your mental health person. Like, there should be, if you're, if it's at that point, like, the baby could come any second at that point. Yeah, really. and, the, and the, the theory is, and I, spe- I specifically want to say, this is a no complications, right? Yeah. Like, you could have the baby tomorrow healthy, right? And there's no risk to your life or the baby's. I mean, I wouldn't really be for it, no. But like I said... Okay, but we're talking... Okay. (laughs) Yes, okay. I I appreciate you adding a personal opinion, but Mm -hmm. if you made the laws, would that be legal? Um... Gosh, David. <laughs> well, I'll give you my opinion after, but you know, we gotta we gotta really get into it. Um, no, I think eight months is like... Because people have kids at like six months. I don't know. Like, I just... 
Well, yeah, because I don't think it would be the law. No. I think unless, like, I think those should only be allowed unless you're one of the outliers. Right. There's a, there's a reason I, I gave no complications. I don't think you should just wake up and be like, oh, never mind. Well, yeah, and I agree, and I'll and now I'll give you my thought on that. I think at conception, definitely. I mean, essentially, it's basically what Plan B is. Honestly, um, it's like I guess it's preconception, but it's the same concept, really. And at eight months, I think it is a no-brainer no. Like, because at that point, you've lost the ability to make an argument that it's not a person. Yeah. When they literally, like, people, there have been situations where there's been a woman who's been, you know, unfortunately died eight months pregnant, and they saved the kid. They just took the kid out. The kid was, like, living, chilling. Like, it, you've lost the ability to say it's not a kid at that point. So I've never heard a good argument, which... Of, I've never heard a good argument for aborting full-on kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, all, I mean, I agree. all of the good abortion arguments are based on no kid, right? Which is why at conception I could care less. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the real discussion points, right? Month one, thirty days in, post conception, abortion? Yes, no. Yes. Okay. Month seven. Abortion, yes, no. <laughs> um, Again, we're assuming all no complication. Yeah, I mean, I would say no. I would also say no. My cousin Treasure, shout out to Treasure, was born six, like right at the beginning of six months. She was a real preemie, but mm-hmm. perfectly healthy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fine to this day. So I think seven, not for me. Mm-hmm. Month three. Month three. We're just close so that's in. what twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. Um. Uh, month three. Mm, that one, that's a very great area. Like I would say no, but maybe yes. I mean I think three. Yeah, I mean, you can if you want to. I I would say. I'm I'm month three is right around the cutoff for me. Yeah. That's like the the whole first trimester thing. I've never heard of a baby born in three months. Right. If it starts happening, maybe I'll change my opinion. Yeah, I, I <laughs> would say, you, yeah, you can in month three. Right. That's still early enough to me where I feel like you're not really doing anything that's all that problematic to me. Mm-hmm. The real discussion to me is between month four and month five. Because to me at month six, no. Sorry, you had, you had six months. Yeah. You know, like you <laughs> yeah, six months. adopt it, you know, yeah. put it up for it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> four, five and six are definitely like the, you know, the, the real areas. Well, and again, I think there has to be like in those kind of situations, I think there would need to be some sort of like, have you talked to like a mental health professional? Have you talked to your physician? Have you talked to this person? This person? like there needs to be right. some order of things to make sure you're really making the right choice. Would you be okay with forced adoption? So you get three months to get an abortion. You wait a day longer, even if you just didn't know you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. After that, you can't have an abortion, but you can adopt. Hmm. I mean... In In a theoretical world, we had a much better adoption system where sending your kid for adoption right. and it was probably going to a healthy and well-off home. 
I don't know. Forced anything. I don't really like the word forced. I mean. Like, I mean. I mean, you could keep it if you wanted. But yeah. if you didn't want to keep it, you couldn't abort it. You would have to then send it for adoption. But you would have adoption. to send the pregnancy to term, obviously. I don't. I mean, maybe. It's tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, trust me. I don't envy the people who make these right. laws. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, me neither. Like, the laws are hard. It's a hard subject it is but i guess like my initial point was more so that i just don't think we talk enough about those specifics and we instead turn it into like just a bunch of other stuff right which is why i wouldn't take a moment to actually talk about the specifics but but i agree and the reason we don't is you know the real problem with the abortion issue is as simple as for the left the abortion issue is a women's rights issue and on the right it is a baby's rights issue yeah right Mm -hmm. and you know, if you fundamentally believe that at conception there is a human life, then there's no real discussion about month one or month six. That's the, really the issue right there, too. And it's, it, yeah, and it's really a point of view difference. Mm-hmm. And the point of view is so fundamentally different that it's, it's never really going to get anywhere. What's more interesting to me is the idea of the way abortion is governed differently at the state level. That's honestly what annoys me because I just feel like maybe it's a, maybe abortion is something that we need to keep it federal. Like I just, because yeah, even if Roe v. Wade gets overturned today, it ain't going to affect you. We're in California, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And that gets into like the whole tangled web of like, politics and right. and all that stuff but like uh, yeah like uh, that is probably what is the most annoying about it but also i mean you know most people in mississippi probably are okay with it you know what i mean sweet but i but i would i would challenge that mm. because we're from georgia yeah right and georgia has trigger laws that if um you know roe v way would be overturned they would pretty much make uh, abortion illegal you know, pretty much instantly. And I think there are a whole lot of people, especially women in Georgia, who would not be too fond of that. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole like federal versus state kind of thing. Like I said, I I feel like maybe it's something that should only be federal, but I don't know. Right, right. You know, but I think it's an interesting one. What, um, yeah, that was good. Give me another topic you want to make sure we discuss. I hate Twitter, you know. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like the other night, or not even the other night, last night. Okay. I feel like, because you know how I was kind of like off for a sec, like, you know, at the end. Yeah, you were in a weird mood. I was in a weird mood. And I think it was because I was on TikTok like too long yesterday. Ooh. And dangerous. It's dangerous. And I just feel like I, I go in waves with social media. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some weeks where I am very controlled with it. I'm like rarely on it because I'm concerned about work. I'm concerned about all these other things. And I may check in and be like, ooh, what was happening today? But then there are times where, you know, maybe work is stressful, so I'm trying to escape. <laughs> or like not much is going on with work or something, and I have all this time. Or it's the weekend or whatever, and I scroll and I'm on it. Um, so it is all about a balance. But yesterday I just... I was on TikTok too long. 
I was on like like I was just on social media too much yesterday, and it just made me feel so kind of empty in empty, a way. Yeah. And then also just like it made me realize how overstimulated you are on social media because as soon as I because the whole issue was I was on TikTok. And then I was off, and you were playing your game, and it was Saturday night, and I felt like, oh, I kind of want to do something, but then also, like, I mean, it's okay if we don't do something, like, you know, um, like, it shouldn't be a big deal for us to, like, have a Saturday night in, like, do something else, sure. like, go watch this, or whatever, but I just, my mind couldn't, like, handle that. If that makes sense, like you were essentially so overstimulated yeah. that the idea of like really doing anything was like too much, almost. Um, not that it was too much, more that it was just like boring and uninteresting. Like ah. I was like, I need something else to continue this stimulation. Right. I feel like it's almost like I mean, it's almost like a drug. Like when you take a drug, you you want it to keep stimulating you. You want it to, and then if you're off of it, that's when you have your with your withdrawals. You kind of like come down. You feel empty um that's so interesting because yeah last night you were saying you were bored yeah and then that's when i was like okay let's go for a walk and then you were like i don't really want to go yeah but i was like i mean well what else are you gonna do come on like we gotta do something and and i totally get that i feel that way you know pretty often but Unfortunately, a lot of times I try to fix it by just consuming different content right. as opposed to doing anything, <laughs> anything else. else. <laughs> but it just had me reflecting on just the idea that like in this age of social media, like that's kind of like where everyone's at. Like, and that's why we all feel kind of unsatisfied with our regular lives yeah. or when things are like normal, people feel like they're missing something. Like if you're not constantly doing something, you feel like you know, you're useless, you feel empty, you feel like I'm not progressing toward my goals, I'm not being productive, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And, like, it is because there's just this artificial thing that we carry around with all the time, like, this phone with social media, like, and it's just a telling us that we have to do so much. stimulation. Yeah. And, I, and that's why I love being out here in L.A. so much, because the weather's always good enough to just go be in nature. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of, like, Phone off, go for a walk, listen to what's going on, like the cars going by, seeing things off of a screen, Mm -hmm. I think is so important. That's why I like going on hikes so much. Just enjoying real life is so critical and key. And I think it's, it's scary how much time we spend interacting with our phones and consuming content so much and that's and i think especially on tiktok because it's so short it's one thing to sit and watch an hour and a half youtube video or listen to a podcast like you're probably doing right now because that's essentially slow right it's a focus it it, it almost takes more focus Mm -hmm. it's basically like watching a movie no one really sees watching movies it's all that bad but when you're on tiktok it's click 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 scroll 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 content content here's an idea here's a funny joke here's something you should think about hard here's something in the news here's another funny joke like here's a meme and it's just like boom 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 i can't imagine what it's like 
especially not even having other social media kids who are growing up on TikTok, going from essentially having no digital stimulation to the most visceral stimulating constant reverberation of new and more one to three minute content over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sure, Vine exists. No one sat on Vine for four hours. Yeah, I mean, maybe some people did, but yeah, I don't think it was like a common thing. You get a couple of jokes and you move on. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't the way TikTok is specifically because you can go start looking at TikToks, look up, it's been 40 minutes. But you got to understand how much content it takes to watch 40 minutes of TikToks. Right. And each one is like different. It's like a different topic every single time. Yeah. Like you're just injecting your brain with so many ideas over and over and over again. And it's it's hard for anything to seem all that special or appealing after a while. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like when you you get oversaturated and overstimulated and it kind of feels like nothing's all that special or interesting anymore yeah and it's concerning i've definitely felt that way but for me the best thing i can do is be outside in not even quiet in natural situations yeah well yeah Yeah. it's the best thing i can suggest but i feel you babe yeah and i guess just to tie it all the way back to the beginning combo like People do struggle with watching movies these days also because of that, you know, because they can't sit for an hour and a half, two hours plus watching the same thing because they're used to TikTok. And thank God we're cuss because (laughs) we grew up. We didn't get TikTok when we were 12. Right. We didn't. I mean, I didn't have a phone until I was 14 and it was a flip phone. I didn't get a Mm -hmm. smartphone until I was 18. Yeah, same. I didn't get one till college. <laughs> right. And I am so thankful. Same. I see these kids with iPad pacifiers now, and they're like, Who? iPad pacifiers? Yeah. Instead of a pacifier, they have an iPad. Oh. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Think about that. Next time you see a kid, see if it has a pacifier. It won't. Oh, my God. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. You know, when we're like parents, you know, in like six to seven years, (laughs) I think we're so aware of that moment, that overstimulation. There was no way I will Mm. let that happen to my children. No, not at all. Because it's hard for me as a 27-year-old adult. I cannot imagine the willpower it would take if I was five Mm -hmm. to not sit there and watch all day All the time, yeah. Especially once they come out with TikTok Kids, which I'm sure is is on its way one of these days. (laughs) It's over. It's well in the works. And yeah, I just I just I just can't allow it. And I just think it's so important to to try to undo that programming of sitting online all the time and spend more time interacting. And and you know, that's why I love the show. The irony is the show is content. Mm -hmm. So if it's a weird parasocial relationship where if you're actually hearing me say this that means you're consuming content. Right. But for me, I'm having a conversation in real life with someone for exactly. an extended period of time. And it it brings not only a joy to my heart, it challenges me in a very introspective way, but it also allows me to get an hour plus of pure human interaction. Yeah. And it's something that I, I value so deeply. 
Yeah. You know, so one way or another, I'm going to make the show work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know that. Definitely brings up another topic, but we'll we'll have to cover it next time. Right, you're you're a recurring guest okay. now. Okay? On my next visit, we'll dive more into that. Hey, hey, comment in the description what you want to hear talk Erin uh, talk about next time she's on. Um, before I let you go, you excited about your little trip back to Georgia? Oh, I am. I'm so excited. I'm gonna see my family, my friends. I'm gonna buy a wedding dress, or maybe not buy it, but I'm gonna shop for a wedding dress <laughs> right by the time this comes out they will already be informed but who are your bridesmaids oh gosh um i mean you guys probably already know who you are <laughs> or at least the people i'm gonna ask to be my bridesmaids fair 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 they might I say don't, no they might no. say no i don't know um which totally it's fine it's okay if you do who's your um, maid of honor? but my main people are gonna be samaya chris and Krishanda, and hopefully helen yes well, shout out to all of them. And I'm very excited. Yeah, so we still got some wedding planning to do. We got a lot to talk about, but I love you so much, babe. Love you too. Appreciate your time, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Rose Radio Show. We really appreciate it. If you like what you saw, you can check out any of our other videos right here. And if you want to support us further, you can go on our Patreon, which is linked in the description below and support us more and get exclusive content and access. Thank you so much.